Look at my butt. Show number 261 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Shabbos. All morning, yes. <laughs> Listeners, we, um, we activated our spore drive and our time crystal. And <laughs> so we're having Christmas now in April. And appropriately enough, it's snowing here in Chicago. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, so it's not snowing here in California. In fact, it's quite nice today. And, and spring <laughs> seems to be here. But, um, but you're both... dreaming of a white Christmas, it's right? True. We just have both been saying every time we do a goddamn show, it's like, oh, we forgot the Christmas presents, <laughs> which actually arrived back around Christmas because yes. we had the foresight for that. So anyway, we thought we'd do it now. We'll just take a couple of minutes to do it. Yeah. You go <laughs> um, first. Okay, so um, the thing you sent me was in a very, very heavy Amazon box, and I had no idea what that could be. I was hoping it was actually a gift and not, you know, lead weight or maybe gold bullion. That would have been fine, too. Uh, Next year. Next year. Okay, good. And so um, this morning I I opened the box just because I wanted to get it open, and there was a a lovely little note that said, Mary Shatmus, my best. So that was good. That made (laughs) me laugh very, very hard. And um, then I have just opened this, and I am delighted. I am so amazed, and thank you so much for this. It's the book, Star Trek The Lost Scenes, um, yes. by our friends from Star Trek History. And, oh, my God, this book is amazing. Really? It's, it's really heavy. The printing quality is fantastic. Um, I remember when, you know, we were looking at your book, that the one about the costumes. Yes. And just kind of going like, oh, this reproduction is really good. Same here. <gasps> These are just oh. beautiful. So I've mentioned this book before. The the guy, Kurt, Kurt McElhoney, who runs Star Trek History, has made a career now out of collecting all those little um, clips that Lincoln Enterprises used to sell. And sometimes it's more than just a clip. It might be a series of clips that were actual pieces of film that were mm-hmm. cut from the original episodes. Sometimes they're deleted scenes. Sometimes they're just... Um, someone holding a clabber, you know, before yeah. they, they do the thing. And so he's been collecting them and restoring them and then putting them into the context. And you get to see a ton of behind the scenes stuff. So, you know, people getting ready for a shot or things where the special effects hadn't been put in yet. Uh, there's just lots and lots of blue screen stuff, which is cool. Um, close-ups mm-hmm. of other shots that didn't appear in the episodes. And he's color corrected everything. So it doesn't have that like horrible magenta cast to it Yeah, that, that many of them do. So it's amazing. And my favorite part, you're going to love this, is right at the end where he's got a whole section of clips from the blooper reels, but uh-huh. also from clips that, that weren't in the blooper reels. And it's like pages and pages and pages of them screaming screwing around and messing up and laughing and it looks so it got me thinking as I was looking at this because it's really fun to look through and and Mm -hmm. see things and Bill's really good at making funny faces sometimes when you hear George and Nichelle and and Walter talk about what it was like to make Star Trek Mm -hmm. 
it sounds really unpleasant, right? Yes. You know, they're, they're so focused on, oh, Bill was so mean and I hardly got any time and blah, blah, blah. Like all this stuff, it just sounds like it was torture for them to go in every day to make this show. Mm-hmm. Long hours and little recompense and all the rest of it. And looking at these clips, they were having a ball. I know? know. I have thought that about certain things in the blooper reel, too. Yeah, it just made me look and see. And it's not just Bill laughing and everybody standing around looking at him like, what the Mm -hmm. hell is wrong with you? It's everybody. They're cracking up. They're having a good time. They're touching each other. You know, they're in groups. They're reacting to people screwing Mm -hmm. up. Leonard is laughing and falling over. It's like all that stuff about him, like being so in character. You know, I get that. But it wasn't like he didn't laugh when funny stuff happened. I know. And it's... Yeah, well, you know, and I think there is definitely some truth in what Bill said uh, early on when, you know, all this bitchery started. He said, well, (laughs) they found out what sells a book. Yeah. You know, so they're, you know, they have definitely either on their own or on the advice of whoever sends them out on stuff, um, embraced that vision that was mm-hmm. their star trek experience yeah and you're not going to hear from them about any funny little pranks or silly stories from the dressing room you know it, the image they're trying to portray is that bill and leonard and d were the only ones enjoying this yeah yeah that's exactly right and it's it's not it it can't be like that i mean you you just if they were that unhappy and that uh miserable mm-hmm. they, they their contracts wouldn't have been extended right like you just you don't want to work with people who are like that because it makes right. the whole set a very unpleasant place mm-hmm. you know if it's your star that's being a jerk maybe you're not going to fire them but if it's a second or third tier person who's being jerky or uncooperative yeah. they're gone right they could just right. hire somebody the next day that's right yeah they're totally mm. expendable they were not the stars yeah but i do love the story leonard told and he has as far as i know never identified who the person was but it was one of the non bill leonard d actors <laughs> And this person apparently was in some sort of a snit. And as they're leaving, Leonard's out in the parking lot. And this person, like, pretty much ran up to him and said, don't you want to know why I'm mad at you? And Leonard (laughs) went, no, and just kept walking. (laughs) You know, that's Uh your problem, person. (laughs) Not my problem. Wow, that's kind of amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. So... That, seeing these pictures, you know, and and having that perspective, which I think we we always hear, you know, when people talk about Bill, people who have more sophisticated views of of Bill's experience on Star Trek will always mention that, like you said, you know, Mm -hmm. it was, he was the star and these people were there, but they found a story and now they're they're sticking with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Looking at the pictures, because the pictures are so beautiful and the colors are so good and everything, it really takes you into the moment. And that made me very Aww, happy. It made me really, really so happy. That is so nice. Yeah. So I, if people want that experience, I can totally recommend this book just for that. Just feeling mm-hmm. like you're kind oh, of there on the good. set. Good. I yeah. am so, so, so happy. And, you know, um, back when I was doing some acting, one of my earliest jobs was I was cast in a summer stock company. And um, we had a lot of fun in that company and the the director and everybody, you know, there were, you know, one or two grouches, but 
pretty much it was a great company and we were all happy with each other. And at one point the director said to me, well, one of the things I always, and this has been going on for a long time, I, he said, well, I always keep in mind when I'm doing the casting is I am not casting five shows. I'm picking mm-hmm. my family for the summer. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that that's an insight. Yeah. And, you know, because this was a little one that I'm sure <laughs> never made money, that's one thing. But, you know, out in Hollywood, I don't think there is concern about, are these people going to get along and have fun and, mm-hmm. you know, be, be a pleasure to work with as much as, will this get people tuning in? Yeah. That, yeah. That's what they're casting for. They really don't care if you become a family. That's a, that's a happy accident. And the higher up on the, the thing you go, like by the time you get to Broadway, they really don't care if you're a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I think um, on, on a lot of shows, especially the ones that they have to kind of grind through, it's, it's like, you know, Bill's work ethic. Is this person mm-hmm. going to show up on time, remember their lines and hit their marks and not walk into the furniture? <laughs> right, that, right. That's the most important thing about you as an actor. And uh, mm-hmm. if you can do those things, you have a much better chance of getting a job. Yeah. Well, and, you know, Hollywood um, at a certain level is a small community and word gets around. And he would not have worked all those years, mm-hmm. you know, the, the guest shots and the pilots he did and everything, if word had gotten around, this guy is a nightmare to work with, mm-hmm. he's unreliable, he will argue with everything. He he was doing something right all that time that yeah. kept, kept him getting jobs because yep. they all know. Yep, absolutely. So, great. Well... Bill doesn't need defending, but no. <laughs> but we will do it anyway. I will and do it I am anyway. so happy you like that book because oh. that's well, wonderful. You. I thank can't you, wait to you. see it. I'll have to see it sometime. Yeah, well, yes, that that will absolutely happen. So, um, I sent you a lovely little present. Uh, yes. Very small, I will say. Very small, but I thought it was just so charming, and it seemed like something that you would really like. I do. I do like it a lot. It's these two flat things they <laughs> they could maybe be used as christmas ornaments cuz they have red ribbons on them mm-hmm. or what i'm going to do what i'm thinking of doing is i have little tiny magnets i'm going to glue to the back oh. so they can like oh. you know be on my uh my desk area there that's made of metal oh, good. but the first one is a beautiful shot i will take pictures from the twilight zone of wonderful marvelous bill <laughs> but it's it's the um the Little Devil Machine episode. I can't yeah, remember what it's time. called. Nick of Time. It's yeah. Nick of Time, which I like so much better than the Monster <laughs> on the Wing episode. And so, you know, there, it's young Bill, the color on this. Oh, my God. It's it's just, it's so gorgeous. And mm-hmm. I just, and it's just him. There's the jukebox in the background. There's the Little Devil Machine. Bill's holding the little card that says, yes, no, or time will tell, whatever it will tell. And, and I love it. Oh, good. I'm so glad. I just, I was kind of doing my Etsy trawl and uh, <laughs> I, I was, you know, looking at for Shatner stuff and Shatner stuff. And as you say, the color in that picture and Bill just looks so beautiful. It was just, it stuck out to me and I thought, this is great. This is just yes. the perfect thing. Imagine how good you feel looking at it. You know? Yes. Like, it, it, his, it, his eyes are gorgeous. Yes. So, yes. The other one, now this one is to me kind of unique. It is a color photo mm. of Lucy and Ethel, um, Lucille Ball and Vivian Vance, and they're both smiling. They both look beautiful. But first of all, it's a color photo. 
And from the clothes they're in, I cannot put my finger on what episode it is. Oh, I don't know. I thought it might have been um, behind the scenes or, or something, you know, or promotional. Because well, I wasn't sure it was from an episode. Well, Lucy's wearing this sort of like headband, but it looks like it's got a scarf hanging down the back. So it's kind of like what a novice nun would wear hmm. if she had bright red curly hair and a ton of makeup <laughs> on. But like from the background, I'm going, well, maybe it's from uh, those Lucy Desi comedy hours. Oh, could be. I'm going to um, uh, take a picture of this and send it to my favorite Lucy expert <laughs> and say, what episode is this? But it's so great because listeners, you don't know this. But um, my one sister adores I Love Lucy, and you can get her any I Love Lucy thing or send her any little meme, and, and she's happy. She has trick-or-treated as Lucy and you know bought the whole outfit and the wig and went and found a tutorial on how to do your makeup to look like Lucy. Wow. And so, you know, I kind of, just because I'm the type of person, I got sort of sucked into it, you know. So, like, I'm always happy to see Lucy and Ethel, too, and they are, for me, the ultimate in female best friends. Mm -hmm. So this like ties both the worlds together, me and my sister with the Lucy, and then you and me with, you know, we're best friends and go on cruises and and do all these wonderful things. So I just really love it. It just, it just ties up, you know, so much. And it's a beautiful picture. I'm so glad you like it. I thought it was just the cutest thing and, mm-hmm. and, and you know I looked at it and I thought yep that's you and me for sure yeah. out there doing stuff breaking rules and having fun and... <laughs> that's right that's mm-hmm. us so Mary Shatmas to the both of us <laughs> on April 14th <laughs> that's true and um I will also say um it was a happy Shatmoy, a moist and merry Shatmoy, which we didn't really get a chance to no. celebrate very much because you were really sick for one I was, thing. I was very sick, yes. And um, I had too much going on in my life. So we did not do as much of the festivities as we normally do, although we both did try to post to our Facebook group to, to celebrate that way. That's right. That's that's really all we could manage. But I also have your birthday present still here because your birthday comes during Shatmoy for that's, those of you who don't know. So um, when I eventually get it packaged up, we will also do belated birthday. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. That is very good. Um, so that's all terrific. I hope you all had a great Moist and Mary Shatmoy. Uh, you know, people were great online celebrating Bill's birthday and Leonard's birthday and commemorating Leonard in so many ways, which was really lovely to see. The um, I referenced this on the Facebook group, but the podcast that's called Inglorious Trexperts, which I quite like. I've, I've continued to listen to it and it continues to be good. Did a whole special on Bill for his birthday cool. and it was really good um i i liked all the things that they had to say you know they shared stories they very much have our position as far as you know bill's uh reputation with mm-hmm. his his co-stars that you know in reality he was the star of the show and and all the things that we were just saying that you were just saying about him mm-hmm. not being hard to work with because he's worked for so long and he's done so many things. The thing I really like about that show is that the two guys who are on it, Robert Altman and Robert Burnett, um, are the guys who made Free Enterprise. So they yes. shared quite a few stories about oh, the making. I got to listen to that. I know yeah, you. It, it's, <laughs> it's really, really good. So just about how they pitched it to him and how he didn't want to do it and then he gave them some ideas for how mm-hmm. they could do it and what he was like to work with uh, 
like he was really good to work with and just hearing how it was you know the experience of working with bill as somebody two guys who were huge star trek fans in a star trek based Mm -hmm. vehicle uh and how they they managed all that um it's it's really fascinating stuff i will tell one story very quickly because i thought it it really gave a view into bill as an actor which we are always very fascinated with yes Um, so they were setting something up and um they were trying to get the lighting right and i guess the actors had been called to the uh it was an outdoor set they'd been called there and they were trying to get the lighting right and the actors were kind of waiting around and it had been like 45 minutes and stuff mm-hmm. and and bill came over to the director and he was like listen let me give you a piece of advice don't have the actors come to the set until you are ready for them because you're wasting our time we're sitting here being bored we're we come and we are ready to work and we're not working right now we're waiting for you mm-hmm. so you call us when you're ready we will show up we'll be ready to do our job and he was so grateful to get that piece of advice mm-hmm. from somebody like Bill. And he, he was very careful to say it was not delivered in a way in order to make him feel bad. Right. It was just delivered in a, here's a thing you need to know about directing a movie and working with actors. This, mm-hmm. this will make everything go better for you and for us. And for Bill to say that, and, and the fact that he didn't frame it as, don't call me to the set. Yes. Don't call everybody to the set. You know, I'm an actor. I'm one of the cast. I'm not just the star, but I am one of the cast and you should be treating all of your cast with the same respect. Mm -hmm. And that just, I was like, that's so professional. (laughs) Well, it is, you know, and um, Altman and I forget the other guy's name. Burnett. Burnett. They were both, you know, young guys mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, you know, nowhere near as experienced with what goes in and goes on in a film set as Bill was. And so, you know, this this was a kind and well-meant yes. and generous thing to do. Also a very smart thing to do. Yes. So because smart. bored actors, yeah. when you say actors, now we're ready, and you've been—they've been sitting for forty-five minutes playing cards or, or mm-hmm. whatever. They're like, okay, they're not going to bring the energy level to it, mm-hmm. much less as much as they may try the commitment and everything. You need all those things, so you've got to got to be careful about them. Yep. So I just thought that was a great story illustrating Bill's uh, commitment to the craft and his mm-hmm. respect, for the other, respect for the other actors who were there. And as you say, his generosity in, in sharing this with somebody who just didn't know. It, where they weren't doing it on purpose. They just were not really aware of the impact that that, that was going to have on the rest of the cast. So I love that story. I just thought it yep. was great. That is good. I'm going to have to go listen to that. I will enjoy that. Because you and I have seen one of them speak. Mm-hmm. at a con and it was wonderf- right, yeah. wonderfully entertaining so yeah yeah they're they're good guys and they have a lot of, of good stuff to say about trek even though i i will not agree with all of their rate ratings and rankings they did a, a mm-hmm. top 50 trek episodes and there were mostly tos episodes in the top but they still put city on the edge of forever just higher than other things that I just think are better episodes. Right. Yeah. You and I share that view. I mean, that is a a very, very good episode, but, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. (laughs) To each his or her own. That's correct. We can have different opinions about it, and it's fine. That's right. That's right. We're the happy, friendly part of fandom. (laughs) 
We absolutely are. Okay. Um, speaking of the happy part of fandom, we're going to talk about a lot about Discovery, but we have some other things to talk about. Well, yes. it's all Discovery related. Oh, let's talk about the unexplained thing because that's yes. very Bill related. <laughs> I love this. What has happened here is A&E has announced that they, are, they have greenlit a show starring Bill mm-hmm. called The Unexplained, and it's spelled yes. with a capital X. And no E. And what it is, is a, it's kind of like a Bill version of In Search of He's the Host. Mm-hmm. And they're going to do these stories that nobody has ever figured out how this works. And what what intrigued me was I read an interview with him because he's going around doing his Wrath of Khan things. And mm-hmm. so he always does an interview with the local paper or whatever. And he was saying, yes, we're going to do these fantastic stories. Like there's this one where this group of Russian hikers went into the Ural Mountains (laughs) and they never came back. And when they found the bodies, it was like they'd been torn apart by wild animals. And now maybe they think they know what happened. And I'm going, oh, good, because I read a whole book on this. And I remember (laughs) telling you about it. Mm -hmm. I have that book. I haven't read it yet, but I did get the book. So it's it's on my to-do list. I'm very excited to see if the the theory on this show apparently endorsed by bill because he is the host um (laughs) is the same as the theory presented in the book Mm -hmm. so you know i'm i'm jazzed for it and it's bill and there's never you know there's never enough bill so that's all good uh, listeners might remember, well, first of all, he's also the executive producer, so right. good for him. He gets more money. Um, but he had that show that was on, what channel was it? That was called Weird or What? Yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> William Shatner's Weird or What. Or What, yeah. Where it was kind of sort of the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. it, was, it was looking at weird things and it was very tongue in cheeky. I wonder if this is going to be as um, overtly amusing as that was or whether it's, it's like a little more serious. Hard to say. Hard to say. Is that the show where it was shown here, Bill was the host and did all the little segments, but in Australia they replaced... Yes. The segments with another guy apparently just saying the same things. Yeah, correct. That Except Maynard for, hello, I'm that. William Shatner. That's right. Maynard said, <laughs> what is right. this? I am watching a William Shatner show, and William Shatner is not in that <laughs> in show. <it. laughs> yeah. <laughs> so weird. So very weird. Now, so the article I was reading was on uh, Deadline.com, and it, mm-hmm. it said exactly what you said and then they also revealed that they are bringing the history channels bringing back in search of everybody remembers in search of of course uh, that leonard hosted that we all watched as as uh, children probably and you know who's hosting in search of who <laughs> they got their spock stand in to do it it's going to be zachary quinto <laughs> And if he quits, they'll get the guy from Discovery. <laughs> That's true. They will. They'll and if he quits, they'll get Spock from the animated cartoons. Oh. <laughs> just keep going through their Spocks. There's a lot of them. There's a oh, whole lineup yeah. of Spocks they can do. So I, I think it's like, of course, it's stunt casting to have Quinto doing it. Of but course. It, it's it's amusing, you know, it's mm-hmm. very amusing that they, they asked him and he agreed to do this because, you know, he's a busy man. He's making movies and all sorts of things. So uh-huh. I, I find it uh, pretty, pretty funny that they've done this. Um, here is a quote from the chief of programming at the History Channel. He says, 
both the unexplained and in search of strive to solve some of the world's most intriguing mysteries, and it's this truth-seeking that resonates most with our viewers. These shows will offer credible answers to questions about mysterious phenomenon, while others will remain unexplained. Who else? Who else better to transport audiences through this journey than William and Zachary, whose passion, curiosity, and perseverance to present every side of these enigmas beam on screen? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> what is that? How mean? long did he know. work on writing that up? Um, <laughs> also, he apparently doesn't know Bill very well because he calls him William instead of I Bill, know. which is very weird yes. when you read that. Well, I so. want to tell a story. We've told it here before, but we may have new listeners. It is mm-hmm. a, It is the best question I have ever heard a fan ask at a con. And it was when Bill and Leonard were on stage together and this guy came up and he said, you know, I, and there had been, I don't know, eight or 10 people going, I just want to thank you for all the things you've done. It has inspired me and everything. Mm -hmm. So this guy gets up there and he goes, listen, I just want to thank you two guys. You are so fabulous. I watched you all the time on In Search Of, and what was Bill's show called? Uh, Rescue 911. Rescue 911. And you were fabulous. And when I found out you had a show before that, where you worked together, The whole place went insane, and Bill oh and God. Leonard laughed so hard. It was the best. It's It totally caught them both by surprise, mm-hmm. and they, they were just, uh, yeah, it was amazing. I'm so glad we were there for that. It was. Oh, so I know, and it was such a good send-up of all these fans, you know, mm-hmm. that not really having a question. Mm-hmm. You know, just say, thank you, thank you, you're wonderful. This guy was hilarious. Oh, so good. So yes. good. Yes. So kudos, kudos to him. That must have, that was well over 10 years ago. Oh, it was a long time ago. And yeah. kudos to him for having the guts to get up there. And he, he delivered it totally straight face. That was yep. the best part about it was that he did not break character at all. It was, it was wonderful. Yes. So um, since we were talking about this coming yeah. back around again. Oh, yeah. I, th- yeah. I do. I think about that. I think about comments that we've heard that have been so good at mm-hmm. cons. And then just yesterday I was thinking about Bill hugging you when you said <laughs> Kirk would take me in his arms. <laughs> <laughs> you made him laugh and he gave you a hug. Oh, I know. So That's, yeah. You could put that on my tombstone. You know? <laughs> she made Bill laugh and he hugged her. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay. Uh, speaking of other things on the internet, uh, let, we can talk about discovery a little bit now. There's no, no, a, we got one other thing. We do? The Hugo Award. Oh, the Hugo. I totally forgot. Yes, let's talk about that. Okay, this is huge. A Star Trek, or not a Star Trek, a fan fiction archive on yes. the web has been nominated for a Hugo Award. The whole site, not just a piece of fan fiction, but the whole thing. Right. And there is an outstanding article on Slate, which we will post a link to, explaining why this is such a big deal and also explaining the category that it's nominated in, which is sort of like um, non-story contributions to Mm -hmm. science Mm -hmm. fiction or something like that. But this article goes in-depth into, yeah, there have been archives before, and they have fallen apart and had a lot of infighting or, you know, whatever. And they also point out how they've done studies. Now there are a lot of studies that like 99.9% of this stuff is written by women. Mm -hmm. But those archives were 
built and run by men. So it was just another men exploiting the work of women things. Mm -hmm. This one is built and run by women, and I meant to go and, and look through it and see, you know, what's up with that. So that'll have to come up on another show. But... This this gives a, a validation beyond just, you can go read these weird stories, you know, um, to fan fiction, to what, and, and, you know, an important contribution it has made. And not just the science fiction, but everything that's ever been written practically is fan fiction of something else. <laughs> you know, right back to Beowulf, somebody heard that story mm-hmm. and decided to write it down. Yeah, they you know, I can I can do this, and I can make it even a little bit better. As that's I go. right. So definitely do punch through to, or you know, click through to the link we're going mm-hmm. to put with the show because this is so big. It's it's really huge. I, I I knew about Archive of Our Own because I've gone there. I don't have anything posted, but oh, I have gone okay. there to read uh, Star Trek fan fiction and Doctor Who fan fiction and various other fan fictions. It's amazingly well organized, mm. and um, the, as the article says, there's almost five million things there that you can read, and they are really good about how you tag fan fiction so mm-hmm. that you kind of know what you're getting if you're settling in for a story, like who are the characters, what's going to happen, there's trigger warnings in case mm-hmm. there's stuff in it that you might find you know, uh, uh, upsetting to you so you don't have to read it. You can know what you're, you're getting going in. And it, it's an amazing place. It's all volunteer run. It's supported by donations only. Mm-hmm. And as they point out in the article, it's mostly run by women who are just giving their time and their energy to do this because it's a really, really important thing. The other really good thing about um, Archive of Our Own is that pretty much anything goes. Um, so I still have some fan fiction at fanfic.net, I think, that mm-hmm. I uploaded like a million billion years ago. And they've had several purges of stuff there, um, not because of copyright, but because they were terrified of, um, you know, just laws about pornography on the Internet and, mm. um, you know, like whether things would be considered um, underage porn or non-consensual right, or, or right. whatever. And, you know, there, there's like fan fiction encompasses a lot of stuff and it might not be your cup of tea, but it's fan fiction. And mm-hmm. so... Archive of Our Own basically does not have those sorts of rules, so you can, you know, post what you like. And, of course, it's fan fiction. Some of it's amazing and better than most published novels, and some of it is, you know, Andrew Troy Keller level stuff. Yes. I should look to see if he's actually got anything <laughs> there. I just thought about that. He should that. be his own category. Oh, he really should. Oh, yes. my God. Now and I have to say. For those of you who didn't um, clue into it, the name Archive of Our Own is like a play on Virginia Woolf's thing, A Room of Her mm-hmm. Own. Was you know that's what a woman needed to write was a room of her own. Mm-hmm. So this is wonderful. And while we're on the subject of Hugo's fiction and fan fiction, uh, shit, I just forgot her name. Vonda McIntyre. <gasps> yes, passed, she passed away, away recently. Mm. And um, as I said in my post on our Facebook thing, she wrote what is quite possibly outside <laughs> of the the filthy. Um, ones that somehow slipped by my favorite star trek novel and it's called enterprise i have it in both english and french (laughs) and um it is about enterprise the first adventure adventure and it has written 
or she has written, the best scene of Spock and Kirk meeting for the first time and what they thought of each other. And, and it develops, you know, into the, the Kirk and Spock friendship that we know. But it is a, a good story, lots of fun. It takes place right after, you know, Kirk has gotten command of the Enterprise. And, you know, um, Gary has not yet come aboard. And really, it's really good. And it's fun. So, and she wrote so many wonderful things. Oh, she did. She So she was one of the writers who was writing... Um, Star Trek novels right at the very beginning when they didn't have as many rules about what you could write. <laughs> right. You know, it was kind of like, well, we need to turn out some Star Trek novels. Here, go. Yeah. And so a lot of the people who wrote then were women, her and Barbara Hambly, right? Yes. Um, so Barbara they... Hambly wrote the crossover with Here Come the oh, Brides and nobody so at the good. publishers got on. So good. I love that book. I fucking love that book. It's That's so good. one of the few I've read more than once. <laughs> um, Sandra Marshak, she was another writer. Yes. So well, they yeah. were all writing these books and, and their their stuff is very much like fanfic because mm-hmm. it's what they wanted to see. And yeah. it wasn't like, you know, a lot of the Star Trek novels that come out now are, are written to format, right? Like there's a very strict format that they have to mm-hmm. be written to and there's nothing that can really cross over canon. The stuff in those early books was all over the place. Like, Oh, I know. Stuff yeah. just happened and happened and happened. Um, and they were really good and they were written... They were written with so much emotion and and care mm-hmm. the way you do with fanfic. They're just, just so delightful in a way that I, I just don't think the books are now because it's so much more of an industry than and you know done with love the way those early books were. And and she was yeah. one of those people. Yeah. Well, you know, I ran across a quote just this week. I've seen it before, but you know, it applies to what we're talking about, which was if you don't see a book you want to read write one and that's what those books are and that's what fan fiction is if you don't see it on the screen of you know lord of the rings or avengers or star trek or whatever yeah you could you know get the money together and make a movie and get sued but you can write that story and Mm -hmm. chances are there's somebody else who wanted to see that too yeah and now with places like Archive of Our Own, it's easy to put it up there so that yes. people can, can read it and, you know, you can share it with other folks. You don't just have to have it posted, you know, on your, your blog spot blog right. or your, your live journal. That's what I was trying to uh, grasp yeah. for, live journal. Well, I wonder to... if they have seen like a, an uptick in, in hits because, you know, there have been several stories about this nomination. Oh, I hope they win. Wow, that would be amazing. It'd be yeah. great. Apparently, the people who run Archive of Our Own were just as gobsmacked as anybody else. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> so, Is this uh, an yeah. April Fool's joke? <laughs> yeah, really. Can this really happen? Um, I, I One more thing about Vonda McIntyre. Besides the Star Trek novels that she wrote, she wrote a lot of other stuff as well. Yes. So um, yes. she had you know, her own original fiction that she wrote, just to clarify that. She was not just a Star Trek writer. Just. Huh. Well, you know what I mean. Yes, I so do. So good. Well, thank you for reminding me of that because I had uh, sort of forgotten. That we yeah. Well, that. once we got talking, it, it came back. It all came <laughs> yeah. back. Okay. Well, let's take a little break. Yes, let's do that. Okay. And then we'll be back with lots of discovery. Oh, my God. So <laughs> oh, much my discovery. God. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> Space, the final frontier. 
These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we would love to hear from you. Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and leave us a comment. Tell us your Trek news. Listeners, it's time to to plunge into discovery, that that ocean that is discovery. Yes. We we are not going to summarize every recent episode because honestly, that would take a week and I don't have that kind of time and neither do you. But we did want to highlight a couple of things. So there were some interesting articles that we wanted to reference because you should read them. (laughs) <laughs> and one of them relates to the fact that um, everybody on God's green earth is saying, um, do a Captain Pike show now, please. Yeah. With because, oh, he's so good. He's so good. I mean, he just made this character. He made everything about him. He's such a good actor. The way he interacts with the rest of the cast. He's the most three-dimensional, most fleshed out character on that show. Mm-hmm. He really, really is. And, and such a good it's captain. It's not just the writing. It's it's him. It's, it's the actor. Him. He's a great, great captain. There's a petition that you can sign at change.org mm-hmm. to, to say, hey, we would like to have a Pike series, please. I think there were like 7,000 people who signed it when I popped over there today to have a look at it. Well, so, I put it on our Facebook mm-hmm. and I, I gave it out as homework. So, you know, we're serious when we start giving homework again. Yeah. The article that uh, you'd referenced is at Digital Spy, and it just talks about the fact that there could be a Pike series that doesn't break canon because there's a lot of time that that happens between Discovery and, you know, when Pike has his the horrible accident thing happen. Mm-hmm. So there's plenty of time. There's plenty of stories that they could tell that would not break canon or have any other kind of bad repercussions. And it just seems like, you know... From a creative point of view, there's so much that they could do with him. And they could, you know, with the the dude who's playing Spock right now, that would be fine. And number one, it would be really Mm -hmm. good. But in a more cynical way, it's like, guys, you're going to be leaving money on the table. Exactly. (laughs) If you don't do this, everybody's asking for it. Everybody wants it. You've got him. Like, it's there. It's pre-made. Why would you not do this? Right. Usually they cast shows, they cast movies hoping we will like it. Mm-hmm. We know we like this. This is why every spinoff in the world ever happened. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Because it was like built-in guarantee at least one season or mm-hmm. something, you know. So, and now we're, we're begging for it. We want it. We want to see more of him. We're all okay with going to an alternate timeline mm-hmm. if it's not too alternate and if it's him. <laughs> just as long as it's him that would be good yeah so i i just love him the more i see of him the more i love him and uh, mm-hmm. they really they have to keep going with him they must. yes they must because i i didn't realize until he came on board how much i needed a captain i could really admire mm-hmm. i enjoyed uh Giorgio and I enjoyed Picard, but like really, really just they're my idea of a captain. Yeah. It, other than Kirk is him. Yeah. And, and you feel like, I feel like anyway, when I'm watching the show, when he's in the captain's chair, I feel good. 
I feel like mm-hmm. he's going to handle things. He's going to delegate. He's not going to be a jerk. He's not going to do mysterious things that causes the crew to like give him the what the fuck look, which happened with Lorca all the time. Remember, like <laughs> right, he would yeah. do things and everybody would turn around like, what are you talking about? But with him, th- th- he really it, like on TOS, you know, it's a team. It's a team of people who are working together mm-hmm. and he totally respects all of his crew and he, you know, he asks questions but he takes suggestions and he takes what people have to say seriously. Oh, it's just so refreshing. And with him, I buy Starfleet as a a, a, a command-oriented organization, a military exploring organization Mm-hmm. but that he's this good captain who who respects his people and their ideas but he you know he doesn't let them get out of control and i think it really shows what a real it's funny that they're doing it on a show where every, half the people we see are traitors or working for section 31 but it really shows that starfleet is an extraordinary organization mm-hmm. that within 10 years of each other they had these two incredible captains mm-hmm. which tells me that most of the other captains are very close to that good or yep. that good. Yep, yep, they have to be. They absolutely right. have to be. I'm and sure, they're... you know, before Decker had his breakdown when he lost his whole crew, I bet he was just aces, you know, yeah. great. And um, the one who was such big influence on Kirk, whose name I can't remember right now. Uh... Um, the, the father, right? Obsession? Yes. Yes. Garavik. Garavik, yes. Yeah. Yep. That they have to be. They really have to be. And I think mm-hmm. you see it in the crew also, that the crew yeah. are also really extraordinary people doing extraordinary things. And it, I, uh, I don't want to get off on it, but it, it points again to how lame the movies are in comparison, you know, mm-hmm. how totally they fall down on this feeling that these are extraordinary people who are mm-hmm. smart and work together and solve these unimaginable problems just through sort of sheer inventiveness and willing to do the things that need to be done and it shows their uniqueness that they're going okay i am going out into space Mm -hmm. and i have qualified for it i've worked for it i love uh it's probably in one of the episodes you haven't seen yet but um uh captain pike they have to do something goes okay people this is what you trained for Mm mm-hmm and I mean, he brings it back to this idea of this is your career, this is your life, this is, you know, the military, and yeah. you chose to be here, show me what you got, you uh, know? It's so amazing to have a captain that you really feel like the people who are serving with him will follow him anywhere, right? Yes! You know, yes! They're just absolutely. like, they. whenever there's a, a tense scene on the bridge, everybody kind of looks at him and they're just, they're not looking... Um, questioningly they're Mm -hmm. just waiting for him to say what to do because they know that he's going to say whatever the right thing is to do right like they have total confidence they're just like tell us what to do boss and we'll do it well and i don't know who originally said this but i'm going to paraphrase it as best i can but like kirk he wears the cloak of command lightly Mm -hmm. he's comfortable with it he doesn't have to you know pound his fist or scream to get you to obey the orders you know, he knows how to mm-hmm. to just, you know, be in command without mm-hmm. being a Nazi yeah. or something. He inspires them and they, right. they respect the hell out of him because he respects them. Yep. Oh. Yes, definitely. This must happen. This oh. absolutely must happen. It has to happen. 
there was another article that you found on Tor.com, which is a great mm-hmm. site. And yes. this was, this is an interesting article. So there were a lot of things that I agreed. And then one big thing that I did not agree with. And I know what it was, but go right ahead. <laughs> so the article's called Star Trek Discovery Proves. <laughs> Isn't that, it's like a, a Facebook clickbait headline. Star yes. Trek Discovery Proves Captain Pike passed one test that Kirk failed. Well, uh, what it's saying is recently, so uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen this episode, <laughs> this was the episode where Pike had to go down to the Klingon um, monastery to get the time crystal, which they <laughs> believe they stole out of a Tom Baker episode of Doctor Who. But that's OK. OK. okay. <laughs> race right on by that. Um, so he has to go get a time crystal. And because time crystals are timey wimey, when he touches it, he gets a flash forward of his future. And then he has to decide, is this the future that I'm going to accept by picking up this time crystal? And, you know, you could just see the writer salivating over this, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> we have to do this. We have to let him see what's going to happen. And they did. And um, he's horrified, of course. But he decides that that's his future and he's going to go with it because he's got to do what's right. Because he's a Starfleet officer, as he says mm-hmm. himself. So that was pretty good. Although I will say that the whole time I was watching that, because everybody knew right like as soon as it was saying you know you're probably going to see a glimpse of your future you're like this is it this is where they're going to show it oh yeah yeah you know they show it happening and you know interestingly that clip of him where he actually gets injured he's not wearing his command gold um uniform oh wow i didn't even notice that you're you're so sharp (laughs) it was sort of green and i you know it was unclear where like he was on a different Mm -hmm. ship it wasn't the enterprise it was a different ship anyway so that was kind of cool and then you know they show him in the wheelchair and there he is you know in his mind seeing his his terribly scarred self and as as he's confronting himself and it's this fairly long scene and it's very dramatic and it's very sort of dimly lit and he's seeing himself and experiencing the horror of it and all I could think about was beep beep (laughs) (laughs) well yeah so anyway and I still I also couldn't help thinking why didn't they get Crazy Pike for that part? Oh, God, I was hoping. I was like, come on, Sean Kenny's still out there. He could do this. He could, to- he could totally And he's loonier than ever. Oh, God. So, I mean, in terms of the episode, so there's uh, Ariam, who was half a cyborg. They couldn't do that for Pike. They had to put him in the beep-beep wheelchair. Oh, yeah. It's still frustrating. But anyway, um, so this article is saying that Pike had a choice. And mm-hmm. he was, he's faced with what is essentially kind of a no-win scenario, right? Like there's, according to the rules, he's not going to get out of this future if he decides to take the time crystal and go. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I guess. I don't know. Is that how time works? Maybe. Um, and the article's author says that that was different from what Kirk did because when Kirk had to face the no-win scenario at the Kobayashi Maru, he decided that he was not going to accept it. So let me find this section here. Um, 
In Wrath of Khan, we learn that James T. Kirk doesn't believe in the no-win scenario. Granted, Kirk cops to this at the end of the movie. After Spock's death, he tells his son David that he's never really had to face it before, but rather tricked it or cheated it. Still, because Spock comes back to life in the next movie, it feels like Kirk didn't really learn the lesson at all. Uh, now, I'm not saying Kirk isn't awesome, because he totally is. It's just that when it comes to facing an impossible decision, Kirk's always going to find a way to weasel out of it. Okay, I have a two-word response. <laughs> Please, go ahead. Edith Keeler. Mm, yeah, yes. This was um, Pike's Edith Keeler moment, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where he had to choose to do the right thing regardless of the cost. Mm -hmm. And also, how many times did we see Kirk during the series facing certain death, facing mm -hmm. having to sacrifice himself you know, for the good mm -hmm. of the crew when there's a choice and he's like, no, let my crew, you can keep me, but let my crew mm -hmm. go. Do whatever you want, but let my crew and my ship go. Like he did that loads of times. Right. And the thing is, I don't think Kirk relies on his luck. And I think he goes into a lot of these things. He knows he's not immortal. He knows there's a good chance he could get killed, but he's not relying on his luck. He's relying on his smarts, his determination, his stubbornness, but he knows that that may not be enough, that mm -hmm. that day may come. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important point. But yes, everything they point out about Pike in here is absolutely on the money. Yeah. And getting back to what we were just saying, I think that would be a necessary component of any starship captain. Mm -hmm. right? Like, yes. If you're in that position of authority, you have to face that choice, like, I don't know, every day, pretty much. And right. you have to be comfortable making that decision. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of comments below this article, and um, most of them are pretty good. But this one I thought was quite good. Um, this person said, people misconstrue the I don't believe in a no-win scenario. It's not a cop-out. It's a philosophy that says, if you go into a situation believing you're going to lose, you're going to lose. Absolutely. The disbelief is tenacity in saying that in any situation, there is a way to win to achieve the goal. And you have to look at it from every angle to find it. Yep. That's what Kirk means by not accepting the no-win scenario. And yeah. I totally agree with that. You know, it's it's looking at it from at every angle and that's kind of the function of the crew on the, on the, the starship right is mm -hmm. you now have people that represent every angle and maybe one of them is one you never would have thought of but this person has right like in the the um i don't know what episode it is where he says gentlemen i want that third option he knows he doesn't have yes. to come up with it somebody has mm -hmm. to <laughs> Somebody has to come up with it. Yep. They they have to get in there and think as hard as they can and innovate and, and come up with new things. And, and as the captain, he's going to evaluate those options and decide which is the best one. So, yeah, I, I don't agree with the author's, you know, conclusion no. that Kirk somehow never had to face that same sort of situation. And even if Kirk had faced exactly the same situation... I think he would have made this exactly the same decision. Oh, what yeah. other choice was there? Yeah. You know? um, and, and here's an example of that philosophy in real life. Recently, I was talking to somebody who got to talk about Jeopardy, which I adore, and talking about Ken Jennings, that guy who mm -hmm. ran, I don't know, like six months yeah. or whatever, you know, and the woman who beat him. And she said, 
um, when, you know, they're in the, the like waiting room, hoping they'll be chosen to go up next, but nobody wants to go up against Ken Jennings. <laughs> she realized everybody else went up against Ken Jennings was playing for second place. Mm-hmm. And she figured somebody's got to beat him. Yeah. And Ken Jennings, I got to point this out too, was so gracious mm-hmm. about losing that because he he didn't know the answer to Final Jeopardy, and she did. And afterwards, when he was asked, "What do you think of it?" he said, "Good for her. She knew something I didn't know. Mm-hmm. She won." You know, but I like that. Everybody else was playing. If you're playing just to survive, it's different from playing to win. Exactly. And as we all know, Kirk doesn't like to lose. That's right. So That's he's right. never playing just for survival. He's always... He doesn't want second place. No, he always <laughs> wants to come out on top, as we That's know, right. Bill. Yeah. But this is a wonderful article, and it points out also how as strange and goofy and timey-wimey and tangled as the plot has become in Discovery this season, how... Anson Mount as the captain is kind of somehow keeping track of all of it. You definitely, <laughs> you definitely believe that. Yeah, and that's absolutely. really important. Uh-huh. I agree. I totally agree. Oh, it's so funny. So, so let's let's wrap up um, now by talking a little bit about discovery. As I said, I don't want to get okay. into a lot of specifics, but I just feel like this second part of this season has been so fast and so furious and. There is so much stuff happening all the time mm-hmm. that stuff happens and I don't even have time to kind of like object to it because it's just, it's going by so fast. The whole time crystal thing, they were uh-huh. like, okay, oh, time travel. Well, the Klingons are doing time travel. How did they do time travel? Oh, there's a thing called a time crystal. Oh, okay. Well, they have them on the planet. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa back up there. Time crystals? Excuse me? What the hell are time crystals? Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's like you got to keep going. You got to accept it and keep going because if you stop for one second to think about what a time crystal might be, I think that gets you into trouble and then you mm-hmm. have to reject the whole premise of what's happening now. So, yeah, I, I cannot. Sure. Yeah, I can't track all that's going on. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just like along for the ride. And if I was a member of the crew, and, you know, they said, uh, you know, Ensign Kitty, what do you think? I'd say, um, could you repeat the question? <laughs> it's just so much. And so it's like every time I sit down to watch it, I'm like, okay, AI from the future that's starting now that we don't know where it came from and time travel and Burnham's mother and, uh, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm just I'm waiting for the TARDIS to show up, and uh, like I don't know, it, there's just so much going on. Oh, I know, uh, I know, and you know what I feel like they did? They had a starting point at the beginning of the episode. I mean, at the beginning of the season, and they knew where they wanted to end up. Mm-hmm. And in between, they're just tap dancing and stretching for time. Mm. But the way they're doing it is not by stretching out things. It's by just shoveling stuff <laughs> just in there. jamming things in and jamming. and then afterwards either quickly getting rid of them or yeah, never like, mentioning well, them again or solving them in this miraculous way. Oh, God. It's amazing. Um, so I did like the interaction between uh, Dr. Colbert and Jet Reno in sick. Mm-hmm. That was really good. And someone yes. picked up on this thing, which I cannot believe that they did. But um, I think it was in um maybe it was amok time or one of the other tos episodes oh no sorry it was the cage where um 
the menagerie. Sorry, it was actually in the menagerie where McCoy gets called back up to the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. And um, Kirk's like, what's going on? And it was always like, I don't know. There's something that they need me back on the ship. Somebody probably has a hangnail. <gasps> and that was oh the reason that God. she went in there. And, and one of the writers confirmed, yep, that's exactly where that came from. Oh, my God. Yeah, so that was kind of cool. That's fun. Yep. That was good. So that was a nice little development, and I'm glad to see Stamets is back on his snarky self most of the time, which is quite mm-hmm. good. And I gotta say, I don't, I don't dislike Spock as I thought I would. You know, I'm not totally warming up to him, but he's fine. It's to- it's fine. I am really just starting to regard Spock as um, stunt casting, sort of, because. Mm-hmm. I, you know, like I said, things are going by so fast, I can't really process them and think deeply about them. But I'm getting this impression that you could legitimately ask, okay, Spock's here, but why is it Spock? Mm-hmm. What role is he fulfilling? Yeah, agreed. That, you know. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing special about him. There's nothing specific about him. And the things that are specific about him are things Discovery made up. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing inherent in it being Spock that we have to Mm -hmm. have in order for him to proceed as this character. You know, the writers have gone to extraordinary lengths to to tie some of the canon stuff to what's happening in Discovery, but it could easily have been anybody else. It didn't need to be Spock at all. Yeah, yeah. And also, um, they are veering, at least in my opinion, dangerously close to the idea of the chosen one. Oh yeah, totally. Like you know how Harry Potter, the mm. chosen one, the boy who lived, and they are doing that with Michael. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it, it all comes down to Michael must do this, and Michael's family who beam in and out like they live next door, and <laughs> you know it's it's like okay, I understand she's the lead. But this whole idea of it is your fate, it is your destiny, I'm going, that's Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't have to be her. And also, if it really was her, how come we never heard about her in any other Star Trek series, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, wouldn't there be legends about her at that point? The way well, in, in TNG, people talked about Kirk like he was a mythical figure, right? Mm-hmm. You'd think people would be talking about her, but I don't remember anybody ever saying it. Yeah, well, you know, you haven't seen... You're not as caught up as I am. Uh-huh. And so you're not speculating <laughs> about what's coming next the way I am. All so right. we're just we're just going to leave that point. Okay. Well, okay. it's a two-part finale. I'm sure yes. you've all seen part one by now. And part two is going to wrap it up, but there is going to be a season three since it was yes. uh, definitely renewed. I, and I, I, will, yes. I will bet you dollars to donuts that they do wrap up season two, but then suddenly have a big cliffhanger. Of course, they're going to have to have something yeah. to get people coming back. So uh, in the episode that we were just speaking about where Pike went to the Klingon monastery and mm-hmm. he meets the now grown-up son of um, Ash Tyler and Laurel, and mm-hmm. his name is Tervalik, I think. Tervalik? Something like I that. Think that. Anyway, he totally struck me as a cross between Elrond and Gandalf because, you know, he's like... He's the love child of Elrond and Gandalf. He is. He's just because he's all full of this, like, you know, the Gandalfian, like, oh, you know, 
everyone wonders, you know, why is this happening to me? And all we have is the time that is given to us. And we just need to decide what to do with it. And, you know, we perceive time differently here. I'm thinking about, you know, the way Elrond's always talking about how time is different for the elves because they've mm-hmm. been so long. It's just like, uh, I think they lifted some of that dialogue straight out of Lord of the Rings. Maybe <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. it seemed a little too familiar to me. It was funny. Um, Trek Core, which is one of the uh, online repositories of many beautiful high-definition images uh, from all seasons. I go there a lot to look at stuff. They have taken to tweeting maybe every day, but at least once a week, um, a picture of Ash Tyler with a a quote about his hair. (laughs) It's really funny. So sometimes it'll just be like, um, you know, condition of Ash Tyler's hair this morning. Good. And it'll just show a picture of him. And um, it's really quite amusing. And I like that they've kind of made his hair into this own character. It really makes me laugh. Well, in one of the articles, I don't think I put it up. Or maybe I did. Anyway, um, it came up with a phrase that I absolutely adore, not having to do with Ash Tyler. But in one of the episodes you haven't seen yet, number one Mm -hmm. on the Enterprise does something that is, you know, just like shows what a great officer she is, that they don't have to now do this thing hurriedly because she already took care of it, right? Good. And and so in parens, the the author has written... um, uh, number one is Space Hermione. <laughs> <laughs> and I really love that if we see her again, which of course we will in at least one more episode. I'm going to be thinking of her as Space Hermione. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. I like that. I like that. I'm so glad she's coming back and we'll get to see more of her. Yes. Yes. Um, other, so I, I just have to say that I continue to be impressed with how the production team keeps putting in little things that are callbacks to Star Trek, like TOS, like the mm-hmm. sound effects. All of yeah. the sound effects in sickbay are like directly taken from TOS sound mm-hmm. effects. And it's just, it just gives me that little frisson, you know, when you hear them. And yeah. Like, oh, it's Star Trek. I know I'm these home. sounds. It's all so familiar. <laughs> and, you know, the doors yep. swish when they open. And just yeah. little stuff like that makes me like unreasonably happy when I hear it. <laughs> Yep. Well, I think we should wrap up. I agree. Yes. The next time you hear from us, Lena may have a birthday present. Oh, that would be awesome. Yes. And we will be prepared to talk about how season two of Discovery wraps up and whatever else has gone on. (laughs) What it means, what it might not mean. Where we think and it's going. how pissed off it has made us or that, not. That's right. <laughs> all of that stuff. Um, one other thing. I know we mentioned this before, but um, in case you have money and you want to do it, Bill is definitely doing the Ticonderoga tour of the, the Star Trek sets this summer. So um, I hope I we get that. to go one day. I really do. Because it seems amazing. But he'll be there in case you want to splash out some money and go It's like Bill. the weekend of June 7th, I believe. Yeah. But when I saw the headline and it said Tar- Star Trek sets tour, I went, oh, they're touring it. <laughs> no, you go there and yeah. you walk around everything. And yeah, I've got too much going on right at that time mm-hmm. to... Uh, be doing that yeah me too but as we speculated before maybe he's going to do it on a, on the the reg because it seems like it's a hugely successful thing for them and he seems to enjoy it so yeah keep doing it that's that's amazing that yeah. they 
can pay Bill enough to do that. Yeah, well, he's probably getting a significant cut of whatever they're charging people. Well, I understand that, but it's still, you know, I I don't think they have the sort of bucks that Creation Entertainment has. Mm, That's true. Mm, I don't know. Why don't we, let's, I'll, I'll tweet to Bill and say, Bill, how much are you getting paid to do the Ticonderoga <laughs> thing? We're just curious. I'm sure he will tell you. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll be sure he'll he'll tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, as always, thank you for listening. Our, our wonderful, wonderful listeners, please continue to send us stuff. Um, interact with us on Facebook. Y'all are very funny and posting um, cool things all the time, which we really enjoy. And uh, we just love having you guys as our, dare I say it, fans. Yes. And please, please go sign the petition for Captain Pike to get his own show. Yes. Because we need that in the world. We do. We absolutely do need that. Yeah. So until next time, everyone, live long potluck and happy belated Shatmoy. (laughs) 